This podcast is brought to you by Hair Club for Men. What's the difference between a rabbit and hair? That's easy. Rabbit Club for Men doesn't exist. But Hair Club for Men is sponsoring this podcast. Hair Club for Men is the only exclusive club for men to share their cute and cuddly little hairs. And any message to the contrary is a bald-faced lie. Hair Club for Men provides support for all of those hair owners because, as we all know, even though their ears are big, they don't listen very well. They're kind of like elves in that way. So right now, join Hair Club for Men for a 12% discount off the year's annual fee. Don't waste another moment. Hop on over to our website and check out all the rage. Hair Club for Men. Hair Club for Men is not a real company and is intended solely for satire. This program contains talk about criminal activity and may paint a not-so-flattering picture of one of your childhood heroes. It even includes a few cuss words and may not be appropriate for your youngins, so you might want to earmuff them or send them outside to play. Thanks for listening. heard that right, Santa Claus. My name's Richie Buck. I'm a pest control technician, carpenter, sometimes wise man in my church Christmas program, and as unbelievable as it might sound, I'm here to save Christmas. This is an Ear Cult production brought to you in association with Crawl Space Media. Santa may be a criminal. A 12-part Yuletide investigation. This is the 11th day of Christmas. An elfic surprise. episode, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And even though it's not the holidays right now, this talk could not wait for Christmas. Ain't that the truth? So we're talking about what happened to the big man himself. Santa Claus. Yeah. Have you heard about this podcaster guy? What's his name? Richie, Richie, Richie Bug? Buck. Richie Buck. Bug. Why did I think that? I think he's some pest control guy or something. Oh, yeah, that's probably it. Anyways, he's really throwing himself behind Santa Claus. What do you think? You think he ran down that lady on purpose? I mean, at the risk of ending up on the naughty list? Heck yeah, I do. Really? Yeah, and that poor Richie Bug guy. Buck. His last name is Buck. Sorry, I guess he just sort of looks like a bug. So rude. I'm just kidding. Anyhow... Yes. Anyhow, you know he has sort of a cultish commitment to old St. Nick. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's a little weird, right? 
Actually, it's a lot of weird. <laughs> yes. I wonder what he'll do if Santa's found guilty. I don't know. I don't think I want to know. I know. Part of me hopes Santa's innocent. I guess we'll see at trial. Yeah, I guess we will. Oh, what about the elves? What happens to them? I don't know. Let's get into it and see if we can figure it out. All right. Well, thanks y'all for joining. This week is a little bit different because we're actually going to debate this whole Santa mess. And I couldn't listen anymore. More and more podcasts are talking about Santa Claus. I heard one show is starting up and it's called Santa Could Possibly Be a Criminal. But I was here first. And I'm the guy with the access to Santa. Anyhow, more of these shows are talking about Santa weighing in on his guilt or innocence. And this is the first time I've ever been mentioned. I don't know if I should be flattered or scared. But... It's not about me. The thing that sits at the back of my mind all the time is, what we'll do if Santa's found guilty? I mean, innocent people are convicted all the time, aren't they? That's what you see on TV. Anyway, if he's convicted, we'll obviously appeal. And if those fail, shit. I don't know. How will we get our Christmas presents? How will you get your Christmas presents? Aren't you worried about that, whoever's out there listening? Well, you should be. There's still work to do, and I'm on the clock. Richie, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm meeting with forensic psychologist Dr. Peter of M. Sickle. While I was at the North Pole, Derek Rudolph, Santa's defense attorney, had him schedule a psychological eval on the big guy. I brought you some cookies. Yes, my friend, you have made my day. The doctor takes a cookie out, he smells it, and then places it back in the box. I will practice restraint for now. Dr. Vimsicle leans back in his chair. Please have a seat. Thank you for coming in. Sure. Speaking with you in person, that's important for me. He pulls out another one of those long French cigarettes and lights it up. He takes a quick inhale and then looks at me. <sighs> Let us start. I don't think you should sugarcoat anything, Doc. Just get right into it. What'd you learn about him? Well, I am prepared to testify in court. That's great. For the prosecution. What? Dr. Vimsicle? Mr. Klaus. He displays some very, very troubling characteristics. Like what? Well, I believe he is dealing with multiple personality disorders. Like he has multiple personalities? No, just many disorders of a personality nature. After reviewing his interrogation, multiple videos, including conversations with you, and spending time with him myself, it is my opinion that he deals with narcissistic and histrionic disorders. He also displays obsessive-compulsive tendencies and even some paranoid behaviors. I think back to my visit with Santa, how he wanted me to move phones because he thought our normal phone was extra recorded. He did seem a little more paranoid. I sure hope the news I dropped on him, that his wife Karen was having an affair with Cameron D. Kane, head of the FBI, didn't make that worse. The paranoid thing it rings true, especially after my last visit with him. See, that's what I'm worried about for you. You are dependent on him. I think about his statement. I guess it's sort of true. As a kid, I looked forward to one day every year. 
And, as I'm sure you've gathered over the course of this podcast, that day was Christmas. It was the only day of the year that I knew exactly what was going to happen. We'd wake up, gather around the tree, and get whatever it was that Santa left for us. My favorite ever Christmas gift was a BB gun. I'd go out and pop RC Cola cans for hours. And, while most people grew out of the excitement around the holiday, I guess I never did. I focused back in on Dr. Vim Sickle's assessment of the Jolly Man. His interactions with others are highly manipulative. Right. This is not surprising. He has an extremely high emotional IQ and, in fact, is as great a studier of human behavior as any psychologist. After all, dealing with or determining who was naughty or nice is what I do every day of my life. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think I have a cultish commitment to Santa Claus? I think you have some dependency issues surrounding the holiday and the man that arrives on December 25th. I recognize that my commitment to Santa is about as fervent as half of the elves at the North Pole. I've been hearing a lot about cults recently, and it made me wonder, does he have some sort of cult leader-like power over those who follow him? He's damn sure polarizing, and the situation at the Nopo is just about what it is down here. Half love him and half hate him. I'm no expert in that, but I have a friend. We meet that friend after the break. You'll probably recognize the voice of the next podcaster as Ellie the Elf, as she lended her time and talents to Santa May Be a Criminal. But here's a quick trailer for Season 3 of Career Quest with Sydney. Hey everyone, it's Sydney, and I'm back with a new season of Career Quest. I have some amazing new guests and a few new questions. I am continuing the search for the perfect job. You can now find Career Quest wherever you get your audio or on the brand new Storyer app. This app has all kinds of kid-friendly content, including podcast stories and audiobooks. You can definitely check it out. Season 3 of Career Quest drops in January 2022. Make sure to check it out. I'm wandering through a cemetery near a lazy river just outside Savannah, Georgia. This is where the cult and religious rituals expert that Dr. Vimsicle introduced me to told me she wanted to meet. I'm partly worried and partly excited. Ahead, I see a glow. It's either a bonfire or... It's an altar. You must be Miss Jesper. Dr. Jesper. Sorry, Dr. Jesper. I'm Richie. Richie Buck. Well, I found the expert. Her name is Dr. Princess Jesper. I really appreciate you meeting with me. Odd choice of location. The currency and situations in which I deal are the oddities. What's the exchange rate on that? Is it like this crypto business I keep hearing all about? Doggy coin or whatever? Sorry. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I have a doctorate in sociology. My main body of work is in the impact of group think, particularly when it comes to cults and religious organizations. I like to look at the impact of subgroups on our larger society. Let me color a picture for you. She doesn't look like an academic. Her hair is tied in a loose bun. She's got black lipstick, black nail polish. In fact, she's wearing all black, except for a leopard print belt. Where's the camera crew? Ain't got one. It's just me. This isn't going to be on TV? Sorry, no. This is just a podcast. 
Didn't Dr. Bimsicle tell you? Ugh, no. I'm firing my assistant. She set this up with him. She seems ticked. Oh, scratch that. She seems downright pissed. Like, she thought she was about to get her 15 minutes of fame. And you know what? Maybe she still will. Because once we free Santa, this show is going to go as viral as that little squirrel on the water skis. Sorry to disappoint you. She's right, though. We should probably put this on TV. Or at the very least, get it in the sled box. You'll never work in this town again. Sent. After she puts her phone away from text firing her assistant, she begrudgingly continues the interview. Well, I'm out here now. What do you want to know? I guess, what got you interested in cults? The whole reason I got into this line of work is because about 20 years ago, I was in a cult. I learned that just after high school, Dr. Jesper joined a group that sold, ironically enough, animal print women's accessories. It was called Wild Queendom. It was one of those multi-level, get-rich-or-get-poor-quick sales companies. My daddy used to just call them triangle schemes. Anywho, way it worked was, she was supposed to recruit people to sell things like these leopard print or zebra print belts, purses, bracelets. You get the idea. After a couple of years of doing it, I was finally invited to the year-end celebration in Boise, Idaho. And I realized two things. One, there weren't nearly as many potatoes in Boise as I thought there'd be. And two, there were all of these group thing controls going on. Like what? Like at the end of the first day, the staff rolled in these carts full of little plastic cups filled with flavor aid. The head of the company took the stage, held up a cup, and challenged us all to drink it. Well, I hate flavor aids. I left. But that experience got me really interested in this work. Back to your original question, in my study here locally, I realized there was a lot to unpack in religious communities as well. Church is a big deal down here. Church is a very big deal. There's one on almost every corner. Praise the Lord. Not just church. Other practices are quite popular also. For example... It was quite ironic that you reached out to talk to me because just days ago, I learned something from a local voodoo practitioner. That's why I asked you to come out here. Yeah, so what is this place? Looks like something out of a horror movie. We're not in a horror movie, are we? Well, perhaps in the right context it would be. I haven't really told you what we're standing in front of, but there are six candelabras arranged in a semicircle about ten feet away. In the middle, there's some kind of shrine... From where I'm standing, it's hard to make out what that shrine consists of. Go on. Dr. Jesper nudges me into the circle toward a small collection of items in the center. I kneel and study what's there on the ground. There are a number of small bells tied together with a little red string. That little red string appears to hold a wooden box closed. Should I open it? Oh, those types of ethereal questions can only be answered by the asker. What does that mean? Just open it. I carefully untie the bells and lift the lid. Inside, I find a layer of dried mistletoe, but underneath that, I see a snatch of red fabric. Take it out. I hesitate. I don't know what's inside this box. It could be booby-trapped or worse. Take it out, Mr. Buck. Okay, I better not get cursed because of this. I pull out the item beneath the mistletoe. It's a little doll, and I don't mean a cute little doll or anything. I mean something crudely made out of straw and burlap with twine cinched around the joints to give it its odd shape. I roll the doll over to look at it from the front, and when I do, I know exactly what it is. Santa Claus. She's got that right. It's Santa Claus, in voodoo doll form. The hands are tied behind his back. Also, at the bottom of that box is a little snatch of white in the shape of a beard. 
like it's been shaved off or, in Santa's case, removed. Is this why he got arrested? Someone cursed him? Who knows? Could someone have cast a spell on Santa using this voodoo doll to get him arrested? And if so, who would have the motive to do that? I lean in to smell the doll. Hunch punch. As I said, I was only told about this a few days ago. I've of course been following the news on Mr. Claus since his arrest, and when Peter reached out and told me about you, I knew you and your... <clears throat> camera crew had to see this. She's right. That would have been a hell of a scene on TV. Can I keep it? If I've learned one thing, it's to not get in the way of the supernatural. Best to leave it where it is. I place the beard and the doll back in the box and gently cover it with the mistletoe. Then I close it and tie the bells back around it. This night is taking a turn. I have a few more questions for you. You like bacon? Since you didn't bring a camera, Mr. Buck, bacon might be the only thing that saves you tonight. Thank God for bacon. Back at the bacon shack, after a cup of coffee and what they call the shack stack, pancakes topped with bacon, eggs, and syrup, we get into my trip to the Nopo. Did they display cult-like tendencies? The elves? Yes. I mean, yeah, a lot of them did. Not all of them, though. Some of them knew about Santa's disdain for RBG. RBG is Ruthie Parker Guest, who died on Christmas Eve, allegedly after a drunken Santa Claus hit her with a sleigh. Recent developments have that theory in doubt. Some of the elves, though, seemed happy that he was gone. Like they didn't care at all if he came back. It was weird. They were polar opposite and really tracked about 50 for him and 50 against him. Interesting. Did you notice any ritualistic behavior? The only thing that I can think of is the ones that want Santa to come back. They meet out in the middle of town around the Christmas tree and pray twice a day. I didn't tell y'all anything about this at the Nopo because, for one, I couldn't get anywhere near it. And two, I had to sign a non-disclosure. But in reading the fine print, that was only good in the territories of the North Pole. And Georgia ain't one of those. Dr. Jesper takes notes as we talk. I don't know if what I'm saying is helpful or not. So can anyone visit, or, or do you have to be invited by, like, a, quote, well-meaning friend or family member? That's a good question. I, I can reach out to the Todd Father and ask. The Todd Father? Yeah, sorry, that's his nickname. His real name is Todd O'Tannenbaum. I don't know what to think about him yet. He seems to wield quite a bit of influence up there, even over the mayor. I get the impression that he may be against Santa's return, but I really can't be sure. The mayor? So their form of government is similar to ours? Seems to be. And where does Santa Claus fit into this hierarchy of power? Hmm. Is he like the king? That's a good way to put it. He's like the king of the North Pole. And his wife, her name was... Karen. Wow. I didn't see that coming. I figured it'd be like Esmeralda or something elfin sounding, but whatever. So, Karen, what's she like? She's just nice. Nice? So she'd end up on the nice list. Well, I'm not so sure about that this year. What do you mean by that? I decline explaining that to her. After all, those are personal issues between Santa and Karen. You'll hear all about it when the podcast comes out. Okay, maybe they're not so personal that I haven't shared them here, but it wasn't relevant to our talk, so I held back. I'm just curious on how Santa's continued incarceration, especially if by some crazy miracle he's convicted, will impact those elves at the North Pole. I'd love to get up there and study them. I could probably get my publisher to pay for the whole thing. I just pitched a book to them. Christmas time in Cultland. That's catchy. 
Thanks. Maybe I'll reach out with more questions for you and include you in the book. We finish our meal and say our goodbyes with an agreement to reach back out should any developments occur. Looks like Dr. Jesper will make her own trip to the Nopo. I hope for her sake, she stays on the nice list. I get home. I'm really tired. This investigation is taking it out of me. I grab the mail, which includes a package, and then I walk inside. I open a beer and prop up my feet. Excited to just get in an episode of Hee Haw before I go to sleep. I sort through the mail. Elfscaped. No thanks. They're a sponsor. My bathroom is full of razors, mowers, creams, foams, lotions. I think everything at the South Pole is A-OK. Credit card offers, bills, the yellow pages. I get to the package and open it up. Inside, there are VHS tapes labeled Barker Christmas with dates behind them. There's 85, 97, 06, and a few others. Who owns a VCR anymore? You're right, me. I do have to dust it off and take my favorite childhood movie, Iron Eagle, out of it. So good. After I get the VCR cleaned up as much as I can, I pop the first tape in. The most important tape. 1985. Then, I sit on the edge of my seat as... My VCR eats it. Shit. That's okay. I know a guy. Next time on Santa May Be a Criminal. My VCR gets fixed and Ruthie Barker Guest speaks to us from the grave, providing a much-needed tip. Detective Strong and I have our most strongly worded exchange to date. And I crack the case, paying a visit to the individual I'm certain framed Santa Claus. Santa May Be a Criminal was conceived in the meat market of a big star in Dothan, Alabama by head elf Jason Usry. Co-executive elves Rebecca Sebastian, Shiloh Katniss, Scott Musgrove, Michelle Kazuba, and a few other rogue elves. Stay up to date and ensure your space on the nice list by leaving us a five-star rating wherever your ears are right now. Then go and rate us five stars everywhere else. Music and sound effects licensed by paying through the nose to multiple royalty-free music and sound effects providers, not the least of which are Epidemic Sound, Motion Array, and Soundstrike. Additional musical contributions that slay by Captain Fat Hands. To check out the cast for this episode, as well as their other projects, visit the show notes and check out santamaybe.com. You can also add people to the Naughty or Nice list by emailing the North Pole at workshop at santamaybe.com. Santa Maybe a Criminal is an ear cult production presented in association with the Crawlspace Media Network. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. And while we're having a lot of fun with this podcast, we want to take a quick moment to be serious about an important nonprofit organization that benefits or advocates for victims in the true crime community. Hello, it's Nick from the True Crime Garage podcast here to tell you about The Porchlight Project. The Porchlight Project is a nonprofit organization 
that offers support for families of the missing and murdered. We specialize in funding new DNA testing and genetic genealogy for cold cases. We also offer victims' families renewed media attention to tell their story and investigative services free of charge. With the help of our many proud donors, we have assisted in solving a 1987 cold case homicide, and we followed that up by identifying unknown remains from 1881. We are currently working to identify male remains found in a barrel in Cleveland in 1969 and a Jane Doe found in 1980. To learn more or to make a donation, please visit us at porchlightonline.org. Thank you.